Section 19 of Messengers of Evil by Marcel Elaine and Pierre Sylvestre. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter 19 Criminal or Victim? At the bottom of his trunk, Jerome Fondor was foaming with rage, furious at being caught in the trap and uneasy as to how this adventure would end whilst he was realizing that his unknown porters were carrying their heavy weight with difficulty to the pavement of rue raffette he made up his mind to a definite course of action regardless of consequences he was going to shout move about make a regular disturbance rouse the attention of the passers-by if there happened to be any but at all costs he meant to get out of the trap he saw a ray of hope madame bourrat had accompanied her visitors as far as the gate in presence of such a witness they would at least hesitate to do him serious bodily harm when he made his presence unmistakably known furious though they would be he would take every advantage of the situation fondor was about to act a second more and he would have started when he heard them speaking he kept quiet we must have a taxi or at the very least a cab to transport this big trunk do you know where one is likely to be found i doubt if one will be passing at this hour monsieur we retire early in these parts but if you like jules can go to the station that's settled let him go as fast as he can well that is reassuring thought fondor if these fine fellows take a cab it is not with the intention of chucking my cage and me into the river and that is what i feared most they may be going to leave me in a cloak-room till called for or they may pack us off as luggage to some destination unknown oh well i shall only be a traveller without a ticket and i shall be sure to find some way out of the difficulty and then what stuff for an article i shall have when i get back to la capitale what must they be thinking at the offices it's forty-eight hours since i put foot in them never mind when they know fondor was listening with all his ears but the bandits had little to say and when they did speak their voices were plainly disguised was it as a general precaution or was it on account of madame borat but unless they were known to her why the necessity if however she knew one or more of them personally why they must have disguised their faces and figures as well as their voices if only he could have a peep at them the sound of wheels made him suppose that jules had succeeded in getting a cab at the Atul station then the trot 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 of a horse became audible a few moments later a cab drew up at the edge of the pavement a hoarse voice was heard it's not a long journey i hope said the hoarse grumbling voice of the cabman to police headquarters replied the pretended police inspector we shall see about that thought fondor that address is to throw dust in madame borat's eyes they will change their destination on the way i bet on it the brutes are they going to jam my cage and me onto the seat fondor asked himself for they had seized the trunk and were beginning to lift it up am i to be stuck upside down beside the driver i don't fancy so we must weigh at least ninety kilos as i weigh seventy myself fondor's mind was soon made easy on that score after a fruitless attempt to hoist the trunk to the box-seat 
they decided to put it on to the back seat of the victoria one of the bandits planted himself on the little folding seat opposite the trunk the other bandit mounted to the box seat next to the driver the two bandits took leave of madame borat the rickety old vehicle started off presently fondor heard what he had expected to hear one of his captors told the driver to take them to some other address than police headquarters owing to the rattling of the ramshackle cab it lacked rubber tires fondor though listening with ears astretch could not hear one word distinctly soon pale gleams of light began to filter through the wickerwork dawn was near ah we shall soon reach our destination thought fondor i don't fancy my trunk lifters will wish to be seen with this turnout in broad daylight now where the deuce are we going in vain did fondor strive to follow the route taken by the bandits he had noted each shock and countershock produced by cobbled streets and smooth roads by bumping against pavements by crossed tram lines and sharp turnings the cab stopped with a jolt and a jerk the two men got out the trunk was lifted down to the pavement the driver was paid he rattled off now trunk and i are in for it thought fondor a bell pealed a courtyard entrance gate was thrown open the two men lifted the trunk cursing under their breath at its weight in passing under the archway they called some name unknown to fondor and so unintelligible that he could not remember it then it was a painful ascension up a staircase they went with prodigious effort stopping on two landings two floors counted fondor we are coming to the end and all said and done i would rather be in a house than at the bottom of the river a key turned in a lock the trunk was pushed rapidly inside then the noise of a door being shut fondor was in a room no doubt alone with the two bandits and at their mercy he was plunged into complete darkness evidently the shutters were still closed the noise made by footsteps on the floor showed that it was uncarpeted judging from the sound there seemed to be little furniture and no hangings in the room and i in my cage in an ordinary room in a studio or in a hall wondered fondor in any case the fellows who had brought him there seemed anxious to avoid making a noise then he felt the cover of the wickerwork trunk bend slightly and heard it creak for a moment he thought the two men were about to open his prison he had his revolver ready every inch of him was on the defensive then he realized that his captors had merely seated themselves on the trunk to rest they began to talk this thought fondor is splendid i shall hear everything they say why it is a conversation in my honour what luck fondor was delighted thanks to his position he could hear some interesting secrets he listened alas he could hear every word they uttered but he could not understand what they were saying fondor swore strictly to himself the two wretches were conversing in german to the best of his judgment a good hour had passed since the false police inspector and his acolyte had left the room they had simply drawn to the door behind them not troubling to lock it much to the joy of jerome fondor absolute silence reigned fondor attempted some discreet movements as a test the wickerwork creaked as he gently shook the trunk at short intervals not an answering sound came from outside menaced with cramp fondor felt that the moment of escape had arrived 
he was certainly the only living soul in the place listen as he might and his sense of hearing was acute he could not hear any sound of breathing yes the time to quit his prison had come fondor had with him besides his revolver a box of matches and a hunter's knife consisting of several blades and a little saw getting out his knife with some difficulty he began to hack at the wickerwork dry and pliant the interlaced rods did not long resist the saw's steel teeth it took him a bare ten minutes to make an opening sufficiently large to push his head and shoulders through the rest of his body followed easily such was his haste to be free that he tore not only his clothes but his elbows and hands on the jagged ends of the broken wickerwork large drops of blood fell on the flooring bah i got off cheaply cried fondor standing up to relax his cramped muscles and stretching his aching legs and arms unless i am jolly well mistaken i am lord of all i survey i am alone in my glory there is not a soul in the place good luck indeed he turned for a last look at his broken prison-house the cage in which he had spent such exciting hours he suddenly stiffened and drew back a nervous trembling seized him the nervous trembling due to sudden shock between the trunk which had been dumped down in the centre of a large square room without a scrap of furniture in it and the window through whose shutters the rays of morning sunshine shone fondor had caught sight of a body lying on the floor a man's body fondor leapt forward was this same cunning criminal feigning sleep for some evil purpose standing over that motionless figure fondor bent and touched one of the man's hands it was ice-cold and rigid the man was dead to see his face was imperative it was turned towards the floor with a difficulty fondor raised the head and shoulders for they were unusually large and strongly built fondor glanced at the face and suddenly withdrew his hand the corpse fell back on the floor with a thud tomery murmured fondor why it's tomery it was the well-known sugar refiner's body the face was purple the tongue protruding round his neck was tied a tri-coloured scarf the scarf of a police inspector was this the murderer's ironic touch fondor sank down quite overcome he tried to collect his thoughts a disgusting joke this if someone should take into his head to enter the room at this moment what kind of explanation could i give here i am alone with the dead body of a man i know and in a room i don't know in a neighbourhood whose whereabouts i know no more than the man in the moon where am i in whose house for what purpose have those beauties of last night no suspicion of the truth did they leave me in this lair of theirs of set purpose knowing i was cooped up inside the trunk just then fondor felt a slight moisture on the palm of his hand it was all red the scratches made by the jagged edges of the wickerwork were still bleeding better and better i declare murmured fondor if i don't look like a little holy saint john a corpse and a man with blood on his hands seated beside the dead body of this murdered man nothing more is required to jail me with all the power of the law to go to prison under such suspicious circumstances is serious the police who are floundering about in a maze of investigations without any result so far will be only too delighted to kill two birds with one stone to suppress a journalist and discover a criminal i have got to get out of here that is plain as a pikestaff get away yes but with the honour of war 
I must establish an alibi. That is absolutely necessary. I like to think that my false police inspector and his accomplice have cut and run for some time. At any rate, that they will be in no hurry to come back to see what is happening where they have so neatly and nicely left the corpse of this Tomery. What part did this fellow play in the drama? Criminal or victim? Fondor had reached the door of the hall opening on to the main staircase. He was listening. He had explored the flat. It was empty. He had found water in the kitchen, had washed his face, and removed every trace of blood from his person. It was a flat suitable for a middle-class household. There were three large rooms, decorated with a certain amount of luxury. Fondor looked at his watch. It was seven o'clock. He stood listening. Someone, a man, was coming downstairs. Someone, a woman, was coming up. They met on the landing just outside. Monsieur Mercadier, here are your letters. I was bringing them up to you. It was hardly worth while, my good lady. I have come down, you see, so you can save yourself five flights of stairs. Oh, no, monsieur. I have to come up to go down my stairs. Monsieur Mercadier continued to descend, and the portress continued to mount. Fondor's heart beat faster when he realized that she was approaching the door. Would she come in and find him there? Had the new tenants left a key of the flat with her? No, the portress dusted the landing quickly and continued her ascent. He heard her going up and up. He made up his mind to slip out onto the landing. Despite his efforts, he could not prevent his shoes creaking. It was springtime, and already the stair carpet had been taken up. He was on the point of going downstairs when he heard the portress calling from above. Who's there? What do you want? Had she heard him leave the flat? Was he to be stupidly caught just as he was escaping? He must act at once. He went up a step or two of the next flight of stairs and called out, Is Monsieur Marcadier at home? Ah, no, monsieur. He has just this minute gone out. I am surprised you did not meet him. Very good, madam. I will come another time. Fondor turned on his heel, and, whistling with hands in his pockets, he gained the ground floor, passed the entrance gate, and found himself in the street. He mingled with the passers-by, and learned from the first plaque he came to with the name of the street on it that he was in Rue Le Corbe, Vaugirard. End of chapter 19 Read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California, shaggybark.blogspot.com.